Good morning, church. It's good to see all of you. Glad uh, that you're here and uh, glad that we get only spend some time worshiping but in word and looking forward to that. A lot of, a lot of movement in the house this morning, so I, I appreciate that. Man, it looks cool where you guys are sitting. Uh, not so cool up here, but pretty cool where you're sitting. We're going to be in Proverbs chapter 9. I'm just going to begin uh, this morning by reading this chapter to you, if you'll, if you'll go on this journey with me. And then what I want to do is tell you a story or tell you, give you some more information about a story that you probably heard your whole life. And then we'll, uh, we'll get into chapter 9 and see what it is that the Lord uh, might have for us on, on this fine Lord's Day. Let's pray together and we'll get to the Word. Father God, we are grateful for today, grateful for your great love. Uh, God, thank you that, uh, that you know how to take care of every need that we have. And uh, God, that, that you know about those things long before we know them, and you've already got a solution in place. We thank you, Father, that you're all-powerful and all-knowing and all-present, that you are infallible and inerrant, and that you've given us your word that, that, that is also infallible and inerrant. We thank you, Father, that we can trust it, that we know that it's yours, that it's full of, of truth, that it, that it is true. Uh, God, and, and that we just need to pay a little attention to what it is that you're saying to us. So as we look at this chapter this morning, as we wrap up this series in Proverbs, God, would you uh, give us insight into your word, eyes to read it, and, and hearts to receive it, and, and just a spirit willing to be changed by the power of it. Father, we love you and give you praise in the blessed name of Jesus, all the Lord's people said, amen. Proverbs chapter 9. Uh, not, not a very long chapter, so I want to take just a minute or two and read it to you and and as I said, I'm going, to, I'm going to tell you a story that you've heard probably all your life. So the Bible says that wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beast, and she has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says... Come eat of my bread and drink of the wine that I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Verse 8, do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. Verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of the wisdom, and the, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me, your days will be multiplied, and years will be added to your life. If you're wise, you're wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. Verse 13. The woman folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling or yelling to those who pass by, who are going uh, straight on their way, whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant, but he does not know that the dead are there and that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. How about that for a chapter? So the story I want to tell you this morning is the story of the three little pigs. Again, it's, uh, on, on its face value, it's a story that all of you are very familiar with, but there may be some details that you are unaware of in the story of the three little pigs. For example, you may not know that the three little pigs had one big at the nearby casino. 
And after tithing 20% of their income, which, by the way, is the minimum amount on gambling proceeds, they headed off to build themselves homes and live the easy life. Some of you should be taking notes by this point. The first little pig built his house of straw. It was not ordinary straw. It was hypoallergenic, gluten-free straw. One day, the big bad wolf came along. By the way, the big bad wolf always comes along sooner or later. And the wolf said, little pig, little pig, let me come in. And the little pig said, not by the hair of my chinny-chin-chin. The little pig had actually made an appointment with the plastic surgeon to tighten up those chins. But that hadn't happened yet, so the big bad wolf huffed and puffed and blew the straw house down. Y'all taking notes yet? So the little pig escaped to his brother's house, which had been made of sticks. And these sticks were high in fiber and low in carbohydrates and therefore perfect for the keto diet. They had been picked up from the ground so that no trees were harmed in the making of this house. And that made the members of the local chapter of the Sierra Club very happy. So the big bad wolf showed up because sooner or later a big bad wolf always shows up and he said... Little pig, little pig, let me come in. And the little pig who owned the stick house said, not by the hair of my chinny chin chin. And that's just evidence that having multiple chins was actually a genetic disposition and not a dietary choice of the first pig. So the big bad wolf huffed and puffed and blew down his house of sticks. So the two little pigs ran until they came to their older brother's house and being a bit of an overachiever, which which older siblings are prone to be, this pig had built his house of bricks. The middle brother was a bit bitter because the oldest had outperformed him once again. The youngest pig, however, just wanted to know where the refrigerator and the TV remote were. So soon the big bad wolf showed up because sooner or later the big bad wolf always shows up. And he said, little pig, little pig, let me come in. And the owner of the brick house said, not by the hair of my... And the big bad wolf huffed and puffed and huffed and puffed until his COPD flared up and he had to go home and get some rest. Now looking back at this story, it's easy to see which pig took the path of wisdom and which two pigs went down the road to foolishness. But determining that is always easier after the fact. Well, in Proverbs chapter 9, I don't know if you noticed or not, because some of you are wondering, what does that have to do with Proverbs chapter 9? It has everything to do with Proverbs chapter 9. Because in Proverbs chapter 9, we encounter a story about two other houses. On one side of the road was a house owned by an elegant lady named Wisdom. On the other side of the road was a house where a sly woman named Folly lived. And if you look in this chapter, you'll find where both women are inviting you in. The question, of course, is which invitation will you accept? Which way will you turn? And in theory, it's an easy decision, right? You're facing the the path to wisdom or the road to, to, to foolishness, the road to folly, as we read about it in this particular chapter. It ought to be an easy decision, but 
What I've learned is that there are a lot of us that really aren't sure which way to go, which way is the path to wisdom, and which way is the, the road to foolishness. So, I mean, at the end of the day, if you're not sure which way to go, you could ask the Google because the Google knows everything. Or maybe, maybe you could just look at what the Word of God says. And the answer, of course, is that we would turn toward the lady wisdom. We'd have to be a fool to turn toward the woman folly. And we all know that. That's just easy. You didn't need me to stand up here on a warm Sunday morning and tell you that you need to go the way of wisdom and not the way of foolishness. We all know that. But, but have you noticed that just knowing the right thing is not always enough? I mean, part of the reason in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 18 says that the woman folly, did you notice, she is loud... And she is seductive. She's not content, in verse 18, to let you just pass by or go down the path to wisdom. She's doing everything that she can do to get you to come toward her. And the crazy thing about what the woman folly has to offer is that it pales in comparison to what the lady wisdom has. I mean, if we're going to make this decision about going down the path of wisdom or down the road to foolishness, and we look at these two ladies and the two houses that they live in, it ought to be an easy choice. Just by what they, the house they live in, by what they have to offer, it should be an easy thing. Look in verse 2. The Bible says there that wisdom has cooked up a nice meal. We've got some, some nice bread, which many translations say meat instead of bread, and a little bit of mixed wine. That's difficult on us Southern Baptists to think about a meal with mixed wine because usually we want our wine unmixed. But here's a little bit of, you didn't think I was going to say that, did you? Here's a little bit of mixed wine, and so here's what we have. We've got to eat some bread or some, some nice meat and some mixed wine. In other words, the, the, the Lady Wisdom has, 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 has just prepared a banquet for us. Look in verse 17. All the woman folly has to offer in verse 17 is some water and some bread. Sounds almost like the meal of a prisoner, doesn't it? Now, another contrast has to do with the houses that these two ladies live in. If, 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 you'll, if you'll allow me, Lady Wisdom built her house. And the word wisdom there, if we look at it in the original language of the Old Testament, the Hebrew language, if we look at the word wisdom... It's actually a plural word. And what that tells us is that when the lady wisdom built her house or is building her house, it's like wisdom stacked upon wisdom. It's almost like brick stacked upon brick. So she is building this house with wisdom upon wisdom. And it talks about how she continues to do that. It is, it is this marvelous picture. On the other hand, in verse 14, the woman folly just sits at her house. There's no building. There's no wisdom upon wisdom. She just sits there at her house in verse 14. Now, the lady wisdom, if you'll look in verses 3 through 6, sends people out to, to bring others in. Remember, we don't have to necessarily go looking for wisdom. You know why? Wisdom comes looking for us. 
We don't have to go out looking uh, for, uh, for the wise thing to do because the wise thing to do is looking for us. Here the Lady Wisdom sends people out to look for us. The woman folly, on the other hand, in verse 15, did you notice? The woman folly, on the other hand, just yells at people as they come by. Lady Wisdom sends the young ladies out to say to people, hey, come here, come to Lady Wisdom, come to her house. There's a banquet. She's prepared a banquet. You ought to come go with me. You ought to come go this way down this path to wisdom. On the other hand, the the woman folly just sits at her house and goes, hey, come over here. Hey, you, you ought to come over here. See the difference? So we've got the lady wisdom out looking for you to bring you to this banquet and the woman folly just obnoxiously yelling at you, trying to get you to come by her house. Look in verse 6. Did you notice that the lady wisdom cares about and wants you to be better and smarter and wiser? Does she want you to have insight? Does she want you to have understanding that she really wants you to be better for all of this? That's Lady Wisdom's desire. And now look look in verse 18, because what we discover there is that the woman folly could care less about what happened to you. The woman folly isn't really interested in you. She's interested in trapping you, and I'm going to show you where that trap leads when we get to the end of the chapter. But we, 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 we have this incredible contrast painted between the Lady Wisdom and the Woman Folly. The Lady Wisdom wanting what's best for you. Folly doesn't care a bit about you. Verse 18 shows us that listening to the Woman Folly and chasing off down the road to foolishness is going to lead to destruction. Did you notice? will lead to destruction, the destruction of our lives, the destruction of our marriages, the destruction of our kids, our jobs, our future. Chasing after the woman folly down the road to foolishness, friend, leads to destruction. No good thing comes from that. And listen, every one of us knows that, right? In our heart of hearts, we know that chasing after the woman folly, going down the road to foolishness, is a bad idea. It's stupid to do that. We know that. In our heart of hearts, we understand that. We get it. So why are we so prone to listen to the woman folly? Why are we so prone to chase off down the road to foolishness. Well, let me give you two or three things to think about. One reason, I think, is that the invitation of the Lady Wisdom, what's this? Look, look at this. Look at what the Lady Wisdom says in verse 4, and look at the invitation of the woman folly in verse 16. Look at, look at the invitation from Lady Wisdom in verse 4, and the invitation from the woman folly in verse 16. You see, you, you see anything interesting about those two invitations? They're word for word, aren't they? They're identical. I think we're killing a kid out there, but I'm not sure. <laughs> if we are, I'm sure he deserved it, so it'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Those invitations are identical. 
So one of the reasons, one of the reasons that we struggle with with following after the lady wisdom down the path of wisdom and 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 trying to decide not to go down the road to foolishness where the woman folly lives is their invitations to us are identical. They're word for word. And you know what? Sometimes that makes it difficult on us to know who is calling us. Sometimes it makes it hard for us to know which way really is the way of wisdom because notice notice that both invitations are to the simple. That would be me. Both invitations are to the one who lacks experience. That would be me in many ways. You, you, you keep going. Both invitations are to those who may be struggling to know the difference between wisdom and foolishness. And, and, and I get that, and you do too. We stand at that crossroad. We stand at that fork in the road, and we're trying to decide what is the path to wisdom and what is the road to foolishness. And we're listening and we're trying to determine and we're trying to decipher all of this. And then suddenly we hear two voices which are saying the identical things to us. And you know what? Sometimes that is really hard to distinguish which way we ought to go. Sometimes we have to go down the road a ways to realize oh my, I've gone down the entirely wrong road. And we've all been there, haven't we? Okay, I've been there, haven't I? I will confess it to you. Sure, I've been there. And if you would be honest with yourself and with me for just a moment, you would, you would at least shake your head, yeah, yeah, Joe. I've, I've chosen the wrong path at times in my life and thinking that it was the right thing to do and it was what I ought to do. And I've gone down that path of ways only to realize that there's a wreck at the end of it. Yeah. So how did we get off on that path? Well, the invitation is word for word. How did we get off on that path? Because we were simple. We didn't have understanding. You know what that means? We didn't have the experience to know. And because we didn't have the experience to know, the invitation of the woman folly seemed as good as the invitation of the lady wisdom. And here's the reality. If the woman folly can trap you early in your journey, she got a better chance of keeping you for the rest of your day. If the woman folly can convince you to go down the, the, the road to foolishness early in your life, she's got a really good chance of keeping you the rest of the days of your life. Here's, a, here's another reason that we're prone to listening to the woman folly, and that is that we, we have this bias toward foolishness. The, the, the theologians call this original sin. Think about it this way. Let me give you this statement, and you do what you want to with it. But here's the statement. The sin in us always tilts us toward the sin around us. The sin in us always tilts us or moves us toward the sin around us. And listen, as we are faced with the decision of the path to wisdom or the road to foolishness, it's sin to go down the road to foolishness. But there's something about that road that is so attractive to us that we are tilted toward it. Why why is it that we're attracted to it? It's because of the sin in us. 
because of the original sin that we were born with. And it, it's like a magnetic pull. You're, have you ever experienced that in your life? Just kind of pulls you that direction. That's why the road to foolishness can be so tempting. Here's the problem with that. Verse 18. Verse 18 is quite blunt. It says that the woman folly leads you to death. That the destination of the road to foolishness is a pit called the grave. Some of our translations don't use the word grave. Some of our translations use the word sheol. You see it? That's hell. That's hell. And, 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 and so isn't it interesting that as we get to the end of the chapter that the Bible is quite blunt with us and tells us that if we chase after this woman folly and we go down the road to this foolishness, that if we go down far enough, foolishness's only desire is, for, is your death. And if you go down far enough, you're going to end up in this pit. You're going you're to end up in this grave. You're end up in Sheol, this hole that you, that you wander off in. And listen... Listen, the deeper the hole that you're in, the harder it is for you to jump out. The deeper the hole that you're in, the harder it is for you to get out by yourself, right? That's the reason we, we say things like when, when, when you find yourself in a hole, quit digging, for goodness sake. When you find yourself in a hole, put the shovel down. It's like when you discover you're riding a dead horse, dismount. It's like when you're wearing spurs. Don't squat. There are a lot of just important things to know. And so the, 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 this road to foolishness takes us into this pit, into shield. And the deeper that pit, the more impossible it becomes for any of us on our own to get out. And so you would say, Joe, is, is there any way out? Can we get out of that? Oh, yeah. Yes, it's a great question. I wasn't sure that you were going to ask. Can we? Yes, yes, we can get out. How do we get out, Joe? What do we need to do? Listen, it ain't so much about you. Because if you're able to get out of that pit on your own, you'd already be out. You see, what it takes is someone that's stronger than you are. What it takes is someone that's better than you are. What it takes is someone wiser than you are to pull you up out of that hole. And so maybe you think, well, that doesn't make sense. If I can't get out of this hole on my own, then I need someone stronger that can get me out of the hole. I need someone that's better than I am to get me out of the hole. I need someone that's wiser than I am to know how to get me out of the hole. Joe, do you happen to know anybody that fits those characteristics? Oh, yes. I just happen to know a guy that fits those characteristics. The only way you get out of the pit, the only way you get out of Sheol is Jesus. You can't climb out on your own. You can't get out on your own. It takes Jesus reaching down into that pit and pulling you out, lifting you up out of that pit, up out of that Sheol. You see, the only one the only one near good enough to rescue you from the pit is Jesus. Let me tell you why. You ready? It's because Jesus has already faced 
the big bad wolf. <laughs> and he won. Y'all didn't think I was going to go back to my little three little pig story, did you? Oh, yeah. Jesus says already, I found a cool spot. I'm going to stand right here for just a minute. <laughs> Jesus has already faced the big bad wolf. And he's won. Listen, <laughs> Jesus is that house of bricks that we can run into to be saved and to be safe. Are you off in that pit? Have you gone down the road to foolishness so far that you're in that pit? Are you trying to figure out how in the world to get out of that hole that you're in? Jesus. Jesus. So, Joe, how do you do that? That's a good question. All you got to do is ask him, Jesus, will you pull me out of this pit that I'm in? Jesus, will you pull me up out of this hole that I've fallen into? Will you rescue me from Sheol? Will you rescue me from hell? Let me tell you what Jesus' answer always is. Yes. Yes. Jesus, are you afraid of the big bad wolf? Nah, I whipped him a long time ago. Jesus, have you got room in your brick house for someone like me? Yeah. I went to prepare a place for you a long time ago. The house is ready. The big bad wolf is defeated. All you got to do is call out to me, Jesus says, and I'll rescue you. He is a good, good father, a great savior, one that we can rely on, one that we can run to and be saved, run to and be safe. I can't imagine why you wouldn't do it. I can't imagine why you wouldn't do it right now. So if you've never done that, why wouldn't you just say, Jesus, will you pull me up out of this pit? Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. And if you're up out of that pit today, there's only one person that gets the credit, only one person that should get the glory, and that's Jesus. So if you're not in the pit today, you ought to be thanking Jesus right now for rescuing you from the pit, for being that house of bricks, that safe place for you. That's what I came to tell you, so I'm going to quit. I'm done. You'll have to decide if you're done or not. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. You find yourself off in that pit, sir, dear lady, are you off in that pit? Did you come here today thinking, hoping, praying that somebody would help you get out of that pit? Listen, listen, I know the guy that can help you. His name is Jesus. He's already done everything that needs to be done to help you. All you got to do is call out to him. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. 
Jesus, will you save me? Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. If you just prayed that simple prayer for the very first time, welcome to God's Forever Family. We would love to know about that. You can communicate that to us this morning by slipping up your hand, by making eye contact with me, by getting up out of that pew and coming to the front, catching us after service. There's a myriad of ways that you can communicate that decision to us, and we'd love to know about it. But if today you've been out of that pit for a while, would you just take a moment and praise Jesus for saving you? Just thank him for saving you. Maybe that needs to be in your heart with your lips closed, or maybe it needs to be verbal today. Maybe that needs to be where you sit, or maybe it needs to be that you stand, or maybe it needs to be that you turn and kneel at the pew you sit in and thank God for saving you from the pit. Or maybe you need to make your way to this altar and thank God for saving you out of that pit. We're going to sing for just a moment or two, not long, and give you that amazing opportunity to respond to the call of God on your life.